So my name is Liz Gray, or now I'm quite loud, uh, and I'm the, rector, the vicar here, and I'm very grateful that you're here. Today is going to be our last day in uh, Mark's Gospel for a little while, because Advent begins next week, and I'm sure you're feeling already the Advent excitement beginning to sort of build up around, around you. In the society and culture where we are, there's a sense of growing excitement, maybe not always towards it being Advent particularly. But anyway, you'll notice some differences over these next four weeks. We're going to be entering a, a season of thinking about angels and all the ways that angels broke into the story to prepare people, to get them ready, to get them expectant, to know their role in the whole story that was about to unfold. So there's going to be an art installation at the side, and week by week you can enjoy it and be curious about it and think about what the angelic is like. We're going to be looking at, um, we're going to have some special music and we're going to be changing the liturgy of the communion service to using the Kenyan liturgy, again recognizing that we are part of a global church. And so we love to this idea of worshipping with people all around the world. And so now, as we have our last reading in Mark for a while, please stand for the reading of the gospel. I'm reading from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Christ. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was asleep in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. Please have a seat. And so let's just put a little bit of context on this story. So if you remember back to last week, Morgan told us, reminded us about Jesus telling the parable of the sower. And right at the beginning of Jesus' teaching, there was this little bit where it says, and he was sitting in a boat. And it was a great place to be able to speak because there'd be lovely kind of uh, acoustics across the lake. You've all sat across a lake, I should think, and realized that voices are carrying right across. So an excellent place for him to sit and teach. And it sounds like it, we've got to the point of the evening whenever the crowds had gone home and Jesus was sitting there with his disciples. And they finish off by him saying that he explained everything to them. So the evening was coming and a gentle conclusion. And at that point, Jesus suggests to his disciples, not that they go home and put their feet up and, you know, sit down with a book in front of the fire, but that they go across the lake. And as they're crossing the lake, a storm whips up. Cue prop one. Okay, so um, if you are lucky enough to be as under the age of something or other, you go to Atrium every week. And one of the lovely things about being an atrium down the corridor is that you get to touch and feel things. And things like this are called um, manipulatives. 
And um, they love it when people within the congregation make things. And so Simon, actually, this is like show and tell, isn't it? I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> okay, you can all cheer. Simon made this, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't, actually, that wasn't actually the reason for bringing it up. But what I wanted to show you is, I don't know, I, I have lived um, more with the story as I've been able to touch and feel this. I've been very grateful for the atrium. So here's Lake Galilee right up there, and then there's the, the Jordan River going down to the Dead Sea. And one of the things you notice with this absolutely precise rendition of the topography, I am convinced, is that it's very deep and it's low down. And one of the things, thank you, Simon. One of the things that uh, is true about the Lake, Lake Galilee is that it was low down and it's surrounded by these hills and so I've got all the explanations here and you can read them later on if you like about why these storms would whip up quite quickly you've got the hot air coming from the edge and cold air down in the valleys and so the storms would arise very quickly and Lake Galilee is actually at its deepest only 200 feet and so apparently because it's not that deep in terms of lakes, again, it makes the storms come very quickly and be quite tempestuous. And so a storm whips up. And the fishermen would have been aware of these storms and aware of the fact that they were quite dangerous and that they were uh, liable to get, get into trouble being out on the water in the middle of a storm. And so they look to Jesus and don't you love all the details that Mark puts in his gospel? First of all, there's that little sentence right at the beginning which says, as they set off, they took him as he was. So there wasn't any kind of changing before they left or any, any break. They just all set off after this long day. And the sense is that Jesus is tired and he's fallen asleep. And he's not only fallen asleep, he's fallen asleep on a cushion. You know, Mark, again, just weaving it into, sort of welcoming us into the story. And then the disciples are just full of fear and they shake him and say, come on, Jesus, wake up, wake up. Can't you see this is really dangerous? Don't you know about storms on the lake? We're in a tricky situation. Don't be asleep. And then immediately Jesus gets up and he rebukes the storm and then he kind of rebukes the disciples as well. But I don't know how all of you are feeling. Some people, when you get back from Thanksgiving, are full of peace and joy and love for all mankind. And some, after intensive family time, are maybe feeling a little bit stormier. There might be storms in your life for all sorts of reasons. And perhaps sometimes there is the sense that Jesus is just sleeping. Storms happen in our lives for lots and lots of different reasons. And one of the things I love about this community is the fact that everybody in it has a story and that all these stories are being woven together as Mickey prayed in our pre-church service uh, prayer meeting, which everyone's always welcome to at 4.15. But she was praying and we think that these stories is the way they weave together. And so this evening I've asked Caitlin and Quatley to tell us a little bit about their story and how it relates to this idea of storms and life being stormy. Caitlin, I'm going to ask you to go first. Thank you, Liz. Um, so if any of you know me, and for those of you who don't, um, I really like knowing the plan. I like knowing the map and confidently navigating in a direction. I can be impatient, um, and I like to know, if not control, the outcome of things. I also like people. I love to talk to people. I like to think through ideas and daydream in a community. 
And when I first moved to the area in 2012, I was starting grad school. I had prayed long and hard about where to go and which school and program was right. I knew that God had prepared the way. I just needed to find which way I was supposed to go. After agonizing over the decision, praying, and seeking more insight from mentors, I moved, sight unseen, roommates unmet, into a small apartment in Annandale. I was so excited, uh, as most people are when they move here, um, to meet new people, to live in a different place, to experience new things, and to be able to continue to study. I was convinced that I would just move up here, find a job, find a church, and be instant friends with all those different built-in communities. A few months into my program, I lacked that community in any of those venues. My longest conversations were spent defending and navigating the differences between roommates and classmates. It was exhausting. On top of that, I was disconnected from friends and family back home and realizing more and more that this may or may not be temporary. I may or may not be home to see key milestones and visit with my aging grandparents, as I had in a previous season of life. My seasons had shifted, and it seemed like a total and complete new territory. I remember feeling alone um, and questioning if I should have moved and thinking about how I should move back and wondering if this was really what I should have been doing. I was doing all the right things, checking all the right boxes. I had visited a number of churches, none of which I connected with. Uh, I had applied to jobs and internships and never heard back from any of them. I even had an academic advisor suggest that I should quit the program and return when I had practical experience, and then maybe I could get the internships I was looking for. Um, this was my storm. I was struggling to connect with a new community and feeling alone and out of control. I remember sitting in my car in a parking garage on campus in Arlington um, after that conversation with my advisor, crying and trying to figure out how I should quit. It was obvious to me that I wasn't supposed to be here. In each of the four Gospels, uh, or in three of the four Gospels, the disciples say something to the effect of, save us, we're drowning. Um, but this is the one that resonates with me in Mark, where they ask him, teacher, don't you even care if we drown? You can kind of see the emotion in the question, arms raised, hands open, and really wondering. And I love the questions that Jesus asked his disciples too. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I was afraid because I wasn't, I was afraid I wasn't good enough. I measured myself against my classmates' accomplishments often, and it was easy to come up short. I was afraid because I didn't know what was coming next. I had a plan, but I felt like God wasn't always paying attention to my detailed outline. I was afraid that there might not be an end to this uncertainty, uh, something I'm still uncomfortable with to this day. On the second question, do you still have no faith? He was asking them this question, but if they had no faith, the disciples would have never asked Jesus to intervene. It resonates with me because there have been times when the Lord provided above and beyond for my needs and the needs of those around me, only to be forgotten in the time when I most needed to remember. It isn't that I don't or didn't have faith. It's that total and complete trust that I struggled with and still struggle with, too. So after a tough start and a storm that blew through, the Lord provided. It wasn't the next day, and it wasn't according to my timeline. It wasn't a straight path either, which to some sounds fun and adventurous, uh, but to me it felt like a roller coaster. 
which again, to me, not a good thing. <laughs> I decided to stay in the program. Um, the Lord provided a roommate who introduced me to a church community I called home. He provided an internship that took me away from that community, but immediately provided a community there. When I graduated and moved back to this area, the Lord provided again. And I don't know the extent of the fear and amazement the disciples felt when they saw the sea calm at the sound of Jesus' voice. But I know the fear and amazement I feel when I look back and I see the small plans that I had in a Google Doc that I still have um, that were never followed because I couldn't seem to go in that direction. Um, but God was faithful uh, even when I was afraid. Um, I think this, this, the, te- the story I'm going to tell, um, it's not a story that I've told many people. Um, I, think, I think my pride gets in the way of being fully vulnerable sometimes. Um, and actually, two for two, every time I spoke in publicly at Incarnation, I cry. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> maybe, you know, three for three. Um, but if I can summarize my words today into one statement, it is the following Regardless of the severity and the length of the storms in your life, um, be assured that Jesus isn't inattentive and uncaring, but in fact, he is right there with you through it all, and he shows us in today's passage, he lords over the storms. If you can take one thing away, it's that Jesus is Lord of the storms, regardless of what stage in your storm you're in. Whether at the very beginning when it's picking up or you're in the eye of the storm. Growing up in Puerto Rico, I know the eye of the storm is it's, it's tricky. You think it's over, and then it hits. Um, my senior year of college, I was forced to disenroll from a program that trains uh, students into military officers. Um, it's called ROTC, but you know, I'm not going to go into the details of that. Um, I was only a couple months away from commissioning and beginning a long career. What I was wanted to be a long career in the Army. Um, I had dedicated four long years of undergrad to the program. You know, like, Nat Catherine knows, like, early 4 a.m. wake-up calls, show up at PT on campus at 5.30, run around, having a lot of learning moments with uh, captains and majors that, you know, that this was fun, I guess. <laughs> um, a lot of weekends just spent on the woods of North Carolina just eating dirt and just, just be like, oh my God, like, what is this for? And in the end, it's like, well, this is for, this is for, the end, the end was always inside, right? Like commissioning, career, for, you know, whatever. There, there was always a purpose to the suffering. Um, but yeah, so, but suddenly, uh, in an early summer morning in 2011, all that was stripped away. Um, for reasons that were partly my fault and partly just awful luck, um, I had to step away from that path that I had lined up since I was a junior in high school. Uh, my life took a very wild turn because even if like externally I seemed at peace with the present uh, and under control, inside I was absolutely lost. I was in turmoil. Um, it's only like, like that was removed and in, in, the, in the absence of it, a black hole just opened up in my heart and it was just consuming everything um, that gave me purpose and meaning. Um, I was lost. I was crushed. I even thought, and even though I was a church-going Christian, I was a leader at my church, um, 
I began a long and at times very weird journey searching for meaning and purpose and what's next. Um, I was being rocked and my ship was filling up with water and about to sink. And I was trying to figure out what was God's will in this. I right? like why, why all these years spent working towards this for this to just disappear. But God was very attentive. And a couple of years later, you know, it wasn't immediate, you know, it, many years later, you know, a couple years later, you know, he revealed to me that the storm was necessary in order to expose one of the most, one of the most powerful and gripping idols I had built within my heart. The pursuit of my own glory, above all, regardless of the cost and the price to myself and to the people around me. Um, so I originally omitted this part from my that, from what I was going to say, but I think, you know, I watched a lot of football this week with family. Uh, and uh, it's funny, we, the, the, the first crack that the Holy Spirit had at me kind of gripping why I was in the storm of life, we took a bunch of college students to a conference at a seminary because we were doing campus ministry. And one of the speakers began this really weird segment into, you know, he was basically addressing a bunch of undergrads, and we were out of undergrads, and we were like, this is not for us. You know, this is not relevant. We, 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 we did undergrad. We, we, got it. we got life together. He said, you know, imagine that your child, your son or daughter, is the most gifted professional athlete in the world, right? They're, they're like the next LeBron James, the next Peyton Manning. I don't know. Fill in your fit, your, you know, whoever you can think about. Um, imagine they have everything set before them. You know, like all they have to do is just Keep playing their sport, and their whole life is set. You know, they're going to be the greatest athlete of all time. Imagine that. Imagine this is your child. This is your son. This is your daughter. And suddenly, one day, your child tells you, Dad or Mom, I actually don't want to play sports anymore. I want to give all that. I want to put away all those skills and all those amazing abilities that I have. And that person, you know, that, that chance at fame and, and glory and wealth. And I'm just going to go be a missionary in a developing country. And the speaker said, would you be okay with that decision from your child, or would you struggle with it? And I realized I had a huge idol over my heart. It was just crushing it. When I had a hard time with that statement, it's like, it's like why, wouldn't, why wouldn't I want my child to be a missionary, right? If, if the kingdom of God is everything, but no, like in my heart, that was not good enough, right, um, to pursue God's will. Say, so here we go, three for three. Um, <laughs> so I think that when I, I, when I, if I can remember back to that moment, that was the first time that I realized, oh, my God, I have an, I've had an idol in front of me for all these years. And it's been the glory of man rather than the honor of God. Um, and in many ways, I believe that I believe today that through all those years of losing, what the, you know, losing this career that I had devoted so much energy to and suddenly being left with nothing, I believe that through that storm, God actually spared me from much worse and darker pain. Um, my personal storm, much like natural storms, um, exposed the cracks and faults in my life and foundation and in my moral compass. Even though I didn't realize it, um, I didn't, it didn't always, it didn't become clear, you know, right away. It took time, it took years of God just, the Holy Spirit just slowly revealing it to me. 
Sorry. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, um, I want to wrap up by saying that Jesus, whatever storm you're in in your life, and we know whatever it is, you know, whether it's professional or academic or personal or family or I don't know, Jesus is Lord of that storm. To the disciples, the storm revealed their lack of faith, right? Like, I love that moment when Jesus says, uh, you know, do you have no faith? You know, these are his disciples. This is his inner group. You know, these are, like, the, the ones that are supposed to lead the church. And he's like, do you have no faith? Uh, to me, it revealed, um, it revealed that I have built this mountain-sized idol for all these years, even growing up in the church. And it took a storm for God to crack that idol, and just actually free my heart from it. So it is my prayer that through your storm or storms that you may be confident that the Holy Spirit is with you and that Jesus is Lord regardless of the size of your storm. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Let's take a moment to pause and maybe shut your eyes for a moment, but just consider... The storms that you are aware of, either in your own life or in those of lives around you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that when you were asleep in the boat, it wasn't because you didn't care. Lord, I thank you for Caitlin's reminder that as the disciples spoke, they had a little faith. And you responded to them. Thank you for the ways that you then worked with your disciples just as you have worked with Caitlin in her life. Building her faith, even through circumstances which have been hard. Lord, we thank you for Caitlin's story. And Lord, I thank you for the way that storms they come from so many different places, whether it's the wind whipping through the mountains and just ripping through our camp or, or over the lake, or whether it's demonic, or whether it's our own bad choices, or whether it's all sorts of things, just life causes storms which whip around us. But thank you that there are times when you use those storms to reveal things in our lives. Thank you for quietly. Thank you that you spoke to him about where his focus needed to be and what he was misplacing his trust in. Lord, I thank you that he knows that you are the bedrock of all that he is. Thank you for the way he focuses on you. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us tonight, wherever we are, whatever we're facing, we're grateful that you take our little bits of faith and that you respond with huge compassion and faithfulness. And we ask that you will build our faith, expose our idols, and heal our hearts. Amen. Amen.